G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As you know, when we talk about the issues to do with the persecuted church around the world, these are things we take very, very seriously. And so when we have an opportunity to get insights into what's happening with the persecuted church around the world, a wonderful opportunity to lock in some wisdom today with Mike Gore, who is the CEO of Open Doors Australia, and he's in the studio with me. A special welcome back to 2020 to you, Mike. Neil, it is good to be here. Thanks for having me. Mike, I'm looking forward to the end of March. We have a special partnership that's going to be happening at that time, Uh, Vision Radio and Open Doors, and highlighting some of the good work that you're doing with your ministry around the world. Uh, That's going to be a significant time, uh, a significant time for Open Doors too, because you're going to want uh, new friends, uh, you want to see the profile of Mm. Open Doors raised, and of course, this issue of persecuted believers. You want that to be front and center in people's thinking because it's such an important issue for Christian believers. Yeah, that's right. We want it to be front and center, but we also want to show people that, you know what, it's not an us and them kind of concept. The reality is the Christian life is often earmarked by persecution. So maybe the question for us here in the West and Australia, New Zealand, countries like that, is if we're not experiencing some form of persecution in our lives, Maybe it's that Jesus can't be seen or heard in our lives. And so the beautiful thing about this partnership we've got is we're saying, look, I want to show our listeners today that, you know, what you can do something that's very small and make a great difference to people living under persecution, but we can also learn from them and see what it means to be bold about our faith. It's fair to say, isn't it, Mike, that in this time in Australia, we're starting to feel a few tensions about people and their reactions to our faith and those who might want to suppress perhaps our freedom of speech and those sorts of things. But in context, that doesn't compare to what some believers are going through in some of the nations that Open Doors is working in. Yeah, as a ministry, we have been going for more than 60 years now and working in 70 countries. We've been monitoring shifts in religious freedoms for those several decades now. And and so we would have said back in the 70s, we saw the rise of... uh, radical Islam. Off the back of that, we saw the rise of radical Buddhism, radical Hinduism. And now what we're seeing is the emergence of, in the West, intolerant atheism and the lukewarm church. And what we're seeing is that in the shifts of changing culture, that that's one of the big and fundamental issues facing the church is the rise of intolerant atheism and a lukewarm church. And the big challenge there, of course, is that when you talk about intolerant atheism, we're not seeing that there are borders and particular dictatorial regimes that are controlling that. This is something of an ideology, isn't it? It doesn't get contained within borders, and so therefore it can affect us here even in Australia if that is allowed to, to, to rise. Yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, if you look back even just a few decades within Australia, many Australians would have said we were a Christian nation. Okay, now the progression from there over the last few couple decades has been towards what we call a non-Christian or a secularized nation, but we're fast approaching an anti-Christian nation. 
Okay, and that's what we're seeing echoed across many Western nations at the moment and changing values in culture. You know, we've never seen tolerance for sex, sexuality, minority faiths and religions be greater. You can sit around with a group of peers and say, hey, I'm into transcendental meditation or Buddhism, and it's met with oohs and ahs. But the moment you mention Jesus, everything's different. And so what we're seeing is the notion of tolerance is sort of trajecting upwards, but what we're finding for Jesus is doing absolutely the opposite. And that's the shift that this ministry for more than 60 years we've been brilliant at. You know, it's not too bold to say that is that we look at the changes of religious freedoms, we try and get ahead of the curve, and then we try and go and talk about what does it look like to follow Jesus in those cultures. And while we might compare that rising trend to what has gone before, what's gone before is still there and is still dreadful in the lives of Christian believers in some nations, uh, some of those Muslim nations. And, of course, uh, we're reflecting on North Korea as uh, still number one on your world watch mm-hmm. list. Uh, those are the places that you've got significant ministries that are working. How do you describe the growth that's happened in Open Doors and the call upon Christians around the world to be supportive of persecuted believers in some nations where it's very, very hard to be a Christian? Well, firstly, the growth has been is biblical. You know, if you read your scriptures, you'll realize that the cost of faith only comes at a greater cost as we head towards Jesus' return. And so it's what I love about this ministry is that it's a beautiful and accurate portrayal that the Gospels are true and correct because the cost of faith for people all over the world is coming at a greater and greater cost. Our job as a ministry, I always tell people, my job is not to end persecution, it's not even to stop it growing. It's to give people the strength to stand in the face of it and shine as brightly as they can for Jesus. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Open Doors, is that we realize persecution and faith, they're inseparable. Our goal is to not try and stop it or stave it off. In some ways, it's to run towards it and say how, in the face of that, can we equip the local church to shine as brightly as they can for Jesus? You make a magnificent point when you share what it is that affirms our faith. Sometimes we're looking for a miracle to happen. And we'll say, if a miracle happens, well, there must be a God. He must be interested in us today. And you just take that to a whole new different dimension when you say, when you experience or when you are aware of persecution that's happening, against people of faith because they have put their trust in Christ, that in itself is an affirmation of the value of the truth that God has given to us in the Scriptures because he's predicted that this would happen. So when it does happen, we know that there's real credibility to what we understand as the foundation for our faith. Absolutely. I mean, reading the Scriptures, right, The every instance of persecution is always and only ever linked to either a public profession of faith in Jesus or a public outworking of a life devoted to faith in Jesus, whether the persecution was aimed at Jesus, his disciples, or his followers. And now if you come forward 2,000 years, nothing's changed, right? If the people that we serve at Open Doors want persecution to stop, they need only to stop sharing Jesus publicly, showing him personally, or meeting with him and outworking him in community. But they don't. And the realization is that, for me, the journey I went on was that if I'm not experiencing persecution in my life, maybe Jesus isn't visible or vocal enough from my life. And yet I imagine that you'd encourage people not to seek persecution, uh, but to live a life of faith, an open faith, talking about Christ, being a testimony to uh, putting your faith in him. Because what comes along with that is something you prepare for, and that is criticism, which would align with persecution. It's a really good distinction. 
So the notion of seeking persecution, I think, often can come with an element of arrogance or boldness. I remember speaking to someone at a conference just a few weeks ago and saying to them, they told me, look, I just want to be bolder in my faith. And I said, you've got to remember that boldness is only ever saturated in grace and compassion right, and wisdom. Because the reality is that if you seek persecution, often that's a brash form of evangelism. Whereas if you share the gospel lovingly and Christ-like, well, persecution will come. So I think the distinction is there, Neil, I'm not saying we should seek persecution, but I am saying persecution is a natural response to sharing the gospel. Well, Mike, this is a growing trend, this idea of a militant uh, atheistic secularism, and we're in the middle of that, and it's beginning to grow. Let's talk about the other trends, though, because the other trends haven't really stopped either. Uh, When we talked about the growth of Islam, and you mentioned, say, from the 1970s, Islam is still growing, and Islam really bites very hard on Christians in so many nations around the world. That's right, and one of the things I would say, or the caveat to that, is that Islam bites quite hard against anything that stands in the face of it, even within and of itself. The Sunni and the Shia battle is a very huge um, problem and, quite honestly, affects far more than the Christians. And the reality is is that the increase in radicalization of other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, has often been in response to staving off the advancement of radical Islam. And so you're right, there's these so many, I guess, elements mixed into it, but too often I think one of the the only stories or messages we hear as Westerners is that Islam and terrorism are inseparable. The reality is that I've met many Muslims across the world in multiple different countries who are brilliant, loving, caring people who don't stand up for the actions of ISIS. ISIS are a terrorist group. They are not indicative of simply a religious group. And I really want to make that clear is that their actions are not condoned or endorsed by many of the Muslims I've met who are now living in refugee camps and abject poverty because of the impact ISIS has had on their lives. We often want to simplify it and tar everyone with the same brush. But as you're saying, it's complicated and there are groups within uh, the Muslim faith, those Islamic groups that are more radical. They're the ones that are causing the major problems. The work of Open Doors, you like to resource the local church in the midst of what is often some of the worst persecution that's happening. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to be quite inspired and enlightened to understand the way Open Doors works here because it gives a direct link, doesn't it, from us and the resources that we might want to contribute to the persecuted church, getting those into the hands of local churches that can put them to real work in the real persecuted setting. Absolutely. One of the things I love about this ministry, and and to be honest, I think any single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus should do something at least once a year for the survival of the church. I absolutely believe it. I'm not saying that persecution or open doors should be your 100%, your only focus. I don't think that's the way the Lord wanted it. But I'll tell you what, I believe that every single person who follows Jesus should do something for the persecuted church. And the reason I love Open Doors is because I trust it, I know it, and I know that what we do is worthy of trust. But having said all of that, the reality of how we work is probably what makes us trustworthy. Rather than going in all cavalier and saying, hey, let us bring to you what we think you need, Brother Andrew, more than 60 years ago, chose to work through the local church, the institution of the local 
indigenous church in these nations. And so we go to those leaders and we say, how can we breathe life into what you're doing and help you truly be the hands and feet of Christ to those living under persecution in your community? And what we love in the process of doing that is that we see the church do what it does best, and that's reach out to the people in the community, always with the message of Jesus, but always offering people hope, justice, safety, and relief. I imagine that putting ourselves in the shoes of those who are persecuted and what our expectation might be. I know that old saying about, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. And I know that's been a theme in Open Doors over many years, in fact. But this idea of appreciating if we were in that circumstance, if our lives were at risk because we were people of faith, Christian believers, what would we hope people in other nations might do to support? And this idea of supporting the existence and the ability to flourish of the local church, this is where people have this wonderful and unique opportunity to be able to give because not every church has these links. Not everyone has these contacts. But in Open Doors, you do. And that's why you become a focal point for being able to help to resource those churches. For that person who's listening to us right now thinking, you know what, I think Mike's right. Maybe once a year I should support how would you hope people might respond, even in this moment, about how they could support the persecuted church? Well, one of the things I'm really excited about is a brand new initiative. We've actually partnered with Vision and For Your Listeners On, and it's something that I think Australia needs, to be honest. It's called One With Them. It's a campaign at Easter, whereby we're asking people to work for free for the persecuted church for a day and donate one day's salary to the survival of the church. We wanted to make it as broadly accessible as possible so a 15-year-old KFC worker could be part of it and feel as that they're making as big a difference as, let's say, a top-tier business person who owns and runs their own company. But the reality is, is that if any of us call ourselves followers of Jesus, I want to encourage us to take our faith from the private to the public, and I want people one day, once a year, to stand up and say, you know what? I'm a Christian, and I want to see the church survive. And so we're doing this thing, one with them. It's the 28th of March this year. And we're partnering with Vision nationally. And honestly, it is probably in the last four years of my role as CEO at Open Doors, this is the most exciting thing we've done. And I'm really, really pleased that we're actually able to partner with Vision Radio for it. It's called One With Them. Look forward to it coming up on the 28th of March and Open Doors and partnering with Vision Radio. And there'll be a lot of content uh, in that particular uh, opportunity that day, uh, which will inform us, which will inspire us, and which will make sure that we are not ignorant about what's happening so far as the persecution of Christian believers goes around the world. I'll encourage you, simply Google Open Doors Australia, and you'll get some details about how you can support the persecuted church. Mike Gore is the CEO of Open Doors. Mike, thanks so much for taking some time to update us today on 2020. Neil, thanks for having me. And for all the 2020 listeners, we really appreciate your support. And I'd love it if you could get behind the One With Them campaign. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand. Or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.